Welcome to the JetRails podcast, supporting you through the airwaves with information about website and e-commerce technology and strategies from design and development to security, marketing, conversion rate optimization, and web hosting. We bring you insights from industry leaders and experts hosted, edited, and published by me, Robert Rand, your friendly neighborhood tech ambassador. Hi, and welcome to an episode of the JetRails podcast. I'm Robert, your host, and today we're going to be talking about live chat and, in fact, how live chat is creating uh, a five times sales lift uh, for e-commerce brands. And I, that sounds like a big number. And so I'm, I'm eager to dive into this with all of you today. Um, I've got with me Mike, who is here with the JetSpring team, and he's had a lot of experience in, in this space related to live chat and other uh, communication channels that really help to accelerate that e-commerce experience to the next level for shoppers. You know, the folks that really want to get back to a more personal experience, but want it to be convenient through the web. Um, and so with no further ado, Mike, would you do the honor of introducing yourself? Yes. Um, uh, my name is Mike Christie. I'm the Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing with JetSpring. Um, we are a company based in Radnor, Pennsylvania, that provides customer service outsourcing for all types of companies. Um, when I say customer service outsourcing, that consists of things like live chat, um, you know, um, phone support, SMS text messaging, all types of messaging on social media platforms. So basically what we do is we will can replace and outsource a customer service department within a, within a uh, company. Awesome. I'm going to start off with the name because I really think that any business name that starts with Jet is just fantastic. <laughs> uh, what can you tell me about how the company came to be called JetSpring? You know, it's just one of those things. The um, the CEO of the company, Eric Cades, um, just thought it was a catchy name. No relationship to a jet or to a spring. Um, the parent company is actually called JetSense. So JetSpring is kind of an offshoot of, of JetSense, but no, no particular... Uh, story behind it just was a name that, you know, kind of sounded cool. And, um, you know, people ask me all the time, like, where'd you come up with that name, which it's doing its job, you know, pretty much is to get get someone to ask a question about it. It's funny. Well, look, in the case of rails, at least, you know, server racks have rails. And yeah, there's, yeah. there's some story there, but that's not for today's episode. Yeah. Um, today, we're, we're going to stick to talking a little bit about um, the modality of, of customer communication, uh, you know, as live chat and some of the the others, I, I'm going to have to ask you about uh, a couple of things that your team may or may not be doing, but that I, I think really fall in line with that. Um, you know, let's sort of start off with as much as e-commerce is bringing efficiency to shoppers, um, they respond better to human interaction in a lot of ways that, you know, yes, it's nice to hit on a website, get a price quickly, get, get some information really fast and easy. But in 2021, is live chat the initiative that's going to give them that that proactive and that that reactive result is that you know a way that shoppers are going to reach out when they need more answers and and a way that that the store owners are going to reach out when they want to offer support it, is it best only as a reactive or only as a proactive um cuz i see different websites do this differently not everybody lose, uses live chat in exactly the same way right um live chat is is basically set up as a reactive tool. So when someone comes on to the website, needs more information about, and you know, the, the products that are offered or 
um, something that is, you know, perhaps on sale and there's questions about, do you guys provide free shipping and all of these things? And I'm sure you've, you've, you've experienced that yourself. Live chat is really there to provide a real time answer to their question. So you click on the chat icon, you know, a window pops up. Um, the, the agent will introduce him or herself and say, what's your question? You type in your question and that agent then immediately responds with an answer. That answer can lead them to um, further questions, right? Um, which the agent can continue to answer. But ultimately, the goal with sales-related incoming you know, inquiries is to give them enough information to make a buying decision. And so you know, roughly 83% of the inquiries that come in about sales get converted to sales with a live agent. Uh, versus if someone comes online and there is not the, the ability to answer a question and get an answer in real time, they just leave. They just leave the site. Um, some may fill out an email contact form answering their question, but the average response time for that is about 72 hours. And by then they probably have gone ahead and purchased it you know, somewhere else. On the proactive side, um, some, some um, websites are testing out a proactive form of chat, which is to you know, say, hey, I'm here. Do you have a question? Um, and that does elicit some good response you know, as well and engagement. But the proactivity really occurs after the initial contacts made, where, for example, if you're um, connecting on a support chat, like did my did my order ship already, for example, be one and our agent will go in and, you know, go into the CRM and check to see if it's been shipped. If they answer, yes, it's been shipped. Oh, by the way, we're having a sale on, you know, another item you might be interested in. Here's a link to go back into the site and get a 50 percent discount. So. They will be proactive on a sales on the selling side if they're able to resolve the question on the support side. So typically, our agents will convert fifty percent of the support related chats with a proactive process of selling. Um, that's something that I think e-commerce stores don't even—they're not even aware that that opportunity exists. They're not thinking about the fact that you have the the customer's attention, and this is a really great opportunity to upsell them or crossover or something along those lines. Because right. when I think proactive, you know, I think, oh, the shopper's been hanging out on uh, on an expensive product page for a while, um, or they've got a lot of items in their cart and they've been sitting for a while, um, or maybe they're in the cart testing out um, coupons or something, that there's some, some tip off there that this might be a really good user, or they came in off of certain keywords, off of a Google ad or, you know, off of some particular advertising right. or such that says to you, hey, um, you know, this may be a really good sale here. Let's make sure that we don't let them leave without uh, without answering their questions, right. without providing them whatever it might be, whether it be a discount, whatever it, it is that's going to help make sure that they purchase this here and today. Right. And we, and um, we are or that if they don't, that we get data that we know what happened and why they left. Yeah, and you are starting to see more proactive um, conversations starting where the agent would pop up and say, I notice you've been looking at this particular item. Do you have any questions? It's no different than someone walking up to you in a store when you're, you know, leafing through the, you know, the sweatshirts or the t-shirts or something. And they say, can I help you? It's really the same concept. Yeah. I think if anything, you know, in a store, sometimes I think for a lot of people psychologically at that point, they have a hard time dealing with that physical person who's working on commission um, who they they don't want to be uh, rough with, but they just want to look around for a while longer. 
Mm -hmm. um, they're not ready for human interaction. Um, online, I think it's really easy to click the X. You don't feel like you've particularly offended anyone or, um, or, or done anything all that damaging. So there is there are those pros and cons that come with it where it's so analogous to being in store, but yet it is different. It is different, yeah. Um, the, yeah. And you know, like I, you I said, think that it, it helps. You can always you can always click out. And you're not going to hurt anybody's feelings. Um, but it's a courtesy. It's a courtesy to ask. Do you need help? And a lot of people respond very positively to that. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's interesting how live chat you know is probably very similar in other industries um, that aren't in e-commerce. But I, I imagine that for e-commerce users, there are some differences, maybe even the speed at which they're navigating through a site and how fast they expect to get answers and uh, and complete whatever transactions or whatever research they're engaging in. Yeah, speed wise, um, you want to be answering, you want to be responding within seven seconds. Um, that someone clicks on that chat bubble, bubble, you want that agent, you know, responding within seven seconds is kind of the the goal. Um, the average is, you know, quite a bit higher than that, but we found that kind of the the optimum, you know, conversion point is if we can get in front of them within seven seconds, we're going to have their attention. Yeah. Well, and the longer that you make them wait, the more that <laughs> they drop off. Yeah. yeah, they they drop off or, you know, I, I think maybe even start the conversation with a chip on their shoulder. Now they've invested time in um, depending on what their issue is, you know, mm -hmm. especially if it's support related, maybe that frustration level increases a bit. Um, so yeah. that's yeah. in our on our business speed matters. So that's something that we you know, we continually focus on and making sure that, you know, we have the capacity to provide speed. Um, we don't want people waiting. Yeah. And before we started recording, I I've got to talk a little bit about this. You told me that in your experience that live chat can increase the, the sales fivefold. And, right. you know, to me, that's that's a big statement. to make. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, so what what. What experience has driving the, those kind of statistics? And, you know, uh, is that a reasonable expectation for an average merchant? Or is that really focused on folks of a certain size or in certain verticals or situations? Yeah, it's a good question. And a lot of people, when when we throw that number out, they are obviously really skeptical about, you know, that type of result because... And I come from the digital marketing world. So when I was working as a consultant, trying to move the needle on conversions was, hey, if you could increase conversions by 10% or 20%, you know, that was a huge number. But to come in and say that I can 5X your sales almost immediately is, um, it, you know, it really just does sound like an unattainable number. Like that's impossible. It's really not. And I'll tell you why. When you have people visiting a website where there is no way to contact, um, you know, the, you know, the owner of the website to say, I have a question, I will buy your product because I love it, but I have a question before I buy, right? Like how long, if I order it today, how long is it going to take for me to get it? You know, cause this is for a birthday present or it's for Christmas or something. If you have no way to ask that question in real time, you're going to go to Amazon you perhaps in order it because you can see right there, if you order by today, you'll get by tomorrow, you'll get it to your home by tomorrow. Um, you'll that that Shopify store owner is going to lose the opportunity to, um, to to get an order. So 
If you can imagine all of a sudden, every single person that comes to the website who has a question is going to get an answer, that's where that's where the bump occurs. And it's not just a bump. It is just a parabolic you know, curve. And it doesn't really matter the size of the website. I have a, I have a client who um, was basically his average, you know, his average orders were about a thousand dollars a month. You know, not a not a big e-com source, more of a hobby, if anything. Once he put live chat on his website, it went to six thousand dollars a month. So, you know, again, the numbers don't you know, they don't it's not you don't it's you know, they don't lie. You can see. I did this and this was what the result was. And all of our, our e-com clients that put live, who haven't had live chat before, weren't using a chat up, but they had literally no way of communicating with their audience and they put it on there. Um, it has that kind of effect in terms of sales. So it's just a paradigm shift more than anything, you know, from not having the ability to connect in real time to now having the ability to connect in real time. Look, I walked through Costco this weekend and uh, you know, there were people there asking me about my cable uh, and, you know, and, and trying to get me onto some AT&T product. There were people there um, trying to see if I wanted to sit in some kind of massage chair and, right. you know, and what have you. Would there have been any chance that I would have, you know, st- stopped to consider any of those things otherwise? No, no. Um, I'm probably not their, <laughs> their prime target no matter right. what. Right. Um, but I watched person after person that I'm sure wouldn't have given those things a second thought, second thought. Um, stop and get into conversation. And yeah, absolutely. There's a right. reason um, that those people are there and their metrics behind them. Right. So, you know, some of this certainly jives with what we all know to be true, that um, by engaging with people and getting them more vested into a purchase, um, by getting them to sort of stop and have a little bit of that relationship built, Mm-hmm. Uh, that they will take it more seriously. And if you're trying to fight against, you know, basically Amazon, biggest place <laughs> when it comes to commodity purchases, right. you want to stop it from being a commodity purchase. You want to build that relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's yeah. funny you mentioned Costco because if you were just having a conversation with your wife that morning about, you know, your service and you walk in and there's AT&T offering a deal, you will stop and you will talk to them. Right. Because tight's top of mind. They'll have, you know, an opportunity, like they say, an opportunity you cannot refuse. And you sign up. So that's one of the reasons why you see so much in the way of in-store demonstrations at Whole Foods and Costco and all these places. If it didn't work, they would do it. But and think about the cost of having a person or maybe two people in a store for the entire day. That's basically, you know, what live chat is the same exact thing in a fraction of the cost of doing it. This is one of the reasons why for um, people who adopt, have adopted it, they will never go back. They'll never take it off their website because there's just too much, too many advantages. And then on top of it, if you, you can, you can factor in another metric too, Robert, which is what you do is when, when you get somebody to purchase through live chat, they will come back to your website to buy again and again and again because they know you have the support. So people say, I like that website because I know they have live chat. So if I have an issue, I'm not afraid to buy from them. So the lifetime value of a customer goes up significantly when you look at you know, putting you know, real-time agents, whether it be live chat or phone, you're going to increase the loyalty, repeat business, and, and also... Um, a 
a person connecting will increase the average ticket value of about 60% by about the 60%. So not only is it they do they buy, but they tend to buy more, you know, when they're connected. Yeah. yeah. When it came time to buy Halloween costumes this year, you know, we went through that and my wife and I like to shop small, medium, you know, we, we try to work with different uh, merchants and absolutely, you know, we want to get that feeling that if there is an issue, especially something timely like that, that yeah. there are human beings and that we will be able to work something out. And if we, you know, we, we need to deal with it, that um, time is valuable, um, that <laughs> we're not going to be, uh, you know, stuck chasing something down um, without a willing participant on the merchant side to, to provide that level of assistance. So it's a really big deal. And, you know, I, I think it's interesting. Just think about your business model that you provide the labor, you know, as part of your offering. How have labor shortages factored in? Because I, I know that that's a headline that we're all seeing in the news um, pretty much on a daily basis now. Um, and, you know, I know that working in customer service can certainly be trying uh, that, you know, you're dealing with a lot of personalities and often the reasons that people are reaching out. Um, they're not always <laughs> coming with a clean slate. Sometimes uh, there's already some uh, some animosity that, that starts off before there's been any communication with, with that individual. Uh, does it, you know, I'd say... Overall, you know, is it hard to find people now um, to work in this kind of a role? Does it take a long time for merchants to, to get off the ground? Um, you know, or is this something that people are more interested in doing with work working remotely or, right. um, you know, thinking of it in the opposite? Where does this fall in, in the current spectrum of, right. well, uh, of labor yeah. issues? Currently, like everything else, um, companies cannot. If they have an internal customer support uh, department, they cannot find uh, people to come to work to answer the phones or to do live chat. So if they lose somebody, they don't have somebody they can replace them with. Um, so they're having the same exact problems that every other employer is having for that type of position. Call centers, typically, you know, traditional call centers that have a building, you know, with floors of cubicles where the agents sit and call all day or speak with people and chat all day, they can't hire people because people don't want to commute to an office and sit in a little cubicle all day when they know that there's an option to work from home. So they're, they're basically opting in for work from home jobs rather than going to a call center. So call centers can't find people. Eight years ago, JetSpring went to a work from home model for their agents. And the reason that we did it was we found that when we tested it originally, we got a much, we got, first of all, we got a much higher response rate to po job posting. So when we said you can work from home, we were getting now access to agents all over the country rather than just the Philadelphia, you know, area. So now we opened up the entire, you know, United States to um, agents. The other thing that we got was we tapped into a whole group of, 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 um, of agents who would never, ever work in a call center. Like they just would never put themselves in a place where they're going to sit in a little cubicle and just, you know, um, type on a computer or, you know, be on a headset for, you know, eight or 10 hours at a time. So we um, we found that we were um, bringing a lot of um, stay at home moms who had careers before 
are home with the kids, but want something to do, want, would like to do some work and some part-time work. Um, now, these all of our agents also have four-year college degrees. So these are we have um, people that have you know been been uh, educated at a at a higher education level. Um, we have many many agents that have their master's degrees, their their PhDs. Um, they're just people that you know are not in the workforce right now who need a lot of flexibility and want to work from home and keep their their brains stimulated. And um, and also we work in the higher ed space, so we have colleges and universities that require that. That require that we have you know people that are, are four year college educated, um, but when we post when we're bring on a new client we have to bring on new agents. When we post for a job, we're overrun with applications because everybody wants to work from home. We also only allow our agents to work four hour shifts at a time because we don't want them to get burned out. Um, so they work from home. They're employees of the company with benefits. You know we give them shorter shifts so that they're not you know, burned out, they can fit it into their schedule a lot more. We have a lot of part-time agents. We have a lot of full-time agents. So um, we have no problem hiring. In fact, right now, we are lending agents to um, customer support teams and, and call centers that don't have the people to cover for the holiday selling season. So we're kind of giving them people um, on kind of loan um, to just cover the busy season. And this has been a great model for us. I mean, when we first started it eight years ago, um, you know, the, we, a lot of people wouldn't work with JetSpring because our agents were work from home. It's like, oh, we can't trust somebody who's working out of their kitchen, you know, to, to trust in our, you know, to give our brand identity, um, you know, and, and, you know, the reputation. And the reality is people are a lot more comfortable working from home, you know, um, they're they're more relaxed. They don't have to worry about commuting. They're not putting their 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 children in daycare. You know, it's just a better environment for them. And these are people that are communicating with other people all day long. So it's not that there's no human interaction. Right. Um, so I imagine that that also checks a box for for a lot of these folks. Yeah. Um, you know, you mentioned four hour shifts. Mm -hmm. Do they sometimes work two shifts a day, or they can? How? Okay. So yeah. Because you you know you mentioned full time benefits and things, so th these are people um, that that might be working something more like full time hours, just spread out a bit more. Right, they work full time hours, but we require that they take a break between shifts, um, just so that you know they if they if they've got to run to the store, do an errand, you know, do something with the kids, you know, just take a mental break, like sit down and watch TV for a little while, just get yourself leveled out, get your energy level back, because when you are when you are doing live chat, phone support, whatever it is, you are on all the time. So literally, it is a four hour, you know, shift. It's like running a marathon. Um, if you can run a marathon in four hours, um, and you're never off. You know, you're in fact a lot of our agents can handle up to six chats at one time. So you've got multiple windows going on. The, the agents are answering multiple questions. So it's it's kind of like a dance for the agent. Um, but it's intense. And if they're, if they do it for eight hours straight, they do it for about three or four days and they go, that's it. I quit. <laughs> you know, I can't do this all the time, you know? And so we don't want the agents to burn out. We want them to be happy, feel productive, have energy, not be stressed out by, you know, by the job, because if they're stressed out, that comes across in the communication. Um, and you just, they need to be happy. Yeah. Now, 
I imagine that a lot of businesses have a hard time with the idea of a third party representing them with someone that's not their employee uh, that they've trained, that they, you know, that they own the relationship with that's out there speaking with customers on their behalf. What kind of training goes into getting one of these agents ready to represent a particular brand, um, a particular e-commerce website in this case? Because I imagine like in the case of colleges and universities that, you know, the, the cost of one um, potential student, you know, the value of one potential student is very high that your team, you know, has some, some thoughts into how much, uh, how much time that an agent sh- should spend learning about the brand and building up that rapport so that they're really ready to hit the ground running for that. Right. It is the number one concern, objection, you know, obstacle. Uh, because, you know, almost every business owner is going to say, listen, you can never be as good as we are. Right. Um, and we don't disagree with, the, you know, we don't say, oh, no, you don't understand. You know, we can be actually better than you guys. Um, we do understand their hesitation because, listen, when you are, you know, um, emotionally and financially invested in, you know, building a brand for years, you don't want to turn your reputation over to, an, to, a, to a third party, to an outside source especially if you have an internal customer support team already. That's something that, you know, they're very wary of is having new agents come in. So um, we explain our process, which is that our training, um, you know, is, you know, from a, from a kind of a protocol standpoint, is a lot more involved than any company does internally, simply because we are representing a brand. So we have to do a much deeper dive into you know, kind of the characteristics and personalities of the brand. Um, so we kind of overdo it with our agents in terms of getting them to understand, you know, what our clients are all about. Um, the other thing that we do is that we will, if it doesn't exist already, build out a very, very, you know, uh, deep knowledge base, you know, on their products, their offerings, you know, and we use a very sophisticated knowledge base that's driven by AI, which allows the client to update that knowledge base Automatically, we also the, the, the program also prompts them based on the conversation. So if there's a conversation where there, the question isn't resolved, the AI will automatically contact the client through email and say, we need you to update this part of the knowledge base. Um, so we constantly are, are doing that. And our agents are always you know, up to speed on that. But the other thing is we offer the client the opportunity to interview our agents. So to say, listen, if let's go ahead and set up a conference call and we want you to ask the, the agent questions. We want you to hear their voice. We want you to, you know, kind of understand the way that they communicate by chat, you know, all of these things and give the, the, the client the opportunity to kind of run them through all the questions, all the hard questions, right. Um, that their clients may be offering. And then finally we will then, you know, usually say to people that are really, you know, skeptical about it, says, let's just run a test. Let's take one of our agents and just, Put them in with your agents. Just let them blend in and see how they perform relative to your agents, um, and see if you can tell the difference. See if you can pick out the agent that's not yours, you know, type of thing. And um, typically, in the end, um, a lot of people, you know, a lot of our clients will come back and say, "Your agents are actually better than our agents." Okay, they're they're concluding the chats faster. They they do more chats per hour. Um, they convert at a higher level. You know, just simply because they're trained to, 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 to do chat, they're trained to do phone, you know, versus a lot of times within companies, they're taking people from other departments, 
and sticking them into that role today. Like we need somebody to answer the phones today, right? So, okay, somebody that was working in some other capacity is now sitting and answering the phone and not fully up to speed on how to do it. And so that's kind of the process, but it, you're 100% correct in that. It is a huge, huge point of friction and, 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 um, you know, um, and, you know, objection when we get, you know, into the conversation, you know, with a prospect about doing it. Do you find that it's easier to onboard if they have a handful of products, dozens of products, maybe hundreds of products, but if they have thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, you know, much bigger catalog that, that that onto itself is a challenge that now there's a lot of industry knowledge. So I think things like, you know, if you're going to be representing something in, I don't know, you know, hunting and fishing that, you know, somebody that's been working the sales floor in the store, maybe knows a lot more about, you know, rods and reels and lures and things versus, um, you know, trying to instill that level of knowledge into a new agent that hasn't been in that space. Yes. And that's it. it Obviously, you know, we're not as knowledgeable as an REI floor associate you know, who actually went camping with that equipment that weekend, right? And said, oh, no, I used that stove this weekend. It's awesome. Um, there isn't that level of familiarity, um, obviously, because, you know, our agents aren't necessarily using all of the products. Um, if we're talking about an industrial, an industrial application, our agents are not structural engineers, they're not aeronautical engineers, you know, they're not able to, you know, get into that level of knowledge about it. But typically, when to... When, when what we're trying to do is to, and what we do very, very well is for the front line of communication for a website that is, you know, that has traffic. And sometimes all our agents are doing are making that connection and then moving it to another level, right? So we're making the connection, finding out what the need is, and telling them this is what we're going to do in order to get you the information that you need. We have a person that's going to call you back with that particular technical information about that particular part, you know, that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Believe it or not, and I don't know if you've ever experienced this um, before, but just, you know, having that level of service where you connect with someone, they listen to you, and they give you uh, an answer, which is to elevate it, and you're going to get a call from somebody within the next hour with your answer. That's all the consumer needs. But like, thank you so much. I'll expect their call or their email or whatever. But that experience is as valuable as giving them the answer, you know, that they need. Um, and and that, that usually that, does the trick for me. Right. Now, that gets me to bring up, though, what doesn't usually work for me. And I absolutely I was taught years ago not to use myself as a barometer in these situations. Um, but I'm very rarely a fan of chatbots unless I need something very basic, like, you know, tracking status on something, mm. um, you know, something that the bot can answer. I feel like it's using my time. It's for it's almost like, you know, dialing into the cable company and being forced to go through 10 layers of menus yeah. uh, to try to finally get to a human being when that's my ultimate goal and that I'm not going to get those minutes back <laughs> that mm. I spent you know, trying to fight a system that, that doesn't want me to talk to someone. Yeah, um, exactly. Do you find that that sometimes using some of that AI using some some bots is that first level? Uh, is helpful or at least giving people an option if they if they just want, you know, one of a few things that can be answered that way? Chatbots are perfect for the frequently asked questions that are repeated over and over and over and over again. So if, you know, if on a particular website, there are 10 questions that get 
ask constantly, 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 then a chatbot can very easily look like a human there, right? Um, they can have a name, they can, you know, have a little bit of a personality, but they know what the answer is to the question. So the, the consumer, the website visitor is going to get the answer that they need. The challenge is when they ask a question that's not in the knowledge base, right? Um, and that AI cannot figure out because it hasn't been programmed, you know, for them. They'll learn from it, right? But that doesn't help the person that's now asking the question. So kind of the progression of AI with live humans is to allow AI to identify, you know, the, the user's question. Um, and if they can't answer it, to then switch to a live agent very quickly with, you know, and seamlessly so that the website visitor doesn't even know that they're being transferred to a live agent. And that's kind yeah. of where it's going, Robert, because AI will never, ever replace you know, what the human can do in terms of reading responses, right? I mean, there's a lot of nuance in the English language you know, and in the tone of a message or in a conversation that AI can't or you know, may take decades to perfect. But IBM yeah, and I'm, Apple are working pretty hard on that. So stay tuned. <laughs> we'll see. I think some of it comes down to the nuance of resolving issues. So you know, if I have to deal with a chatbot about something like, I got an item in the box that, you know, I got extra items that weren't mine and I don't want to be a thief. You know, I, I want to alert someone that this happened. Um, it's not my fault, but, you know, I've wound up with these things the same way that yeah. if I walked out of a store with something, saw something in the bag that I didn't pay for. Yeah, mm -hmm. chances are I'd be walking back in with that um, right. and the amount of rigmarole to try yeah. to deal with with that sort of issue with, with even the biggest of brands. They have a hard time. They have a hard time. Um, and the, and, and the, yeah, go ahead. You know, and there are cases where, depending on the value of the product, they'll tell you just keep it or donate it or whatever it may be. But sometimes these are higher ticket items, and I don't understand how they yeah. at my doorstep. But here they are. Well, um, it's interesting you say that because what happens is, I give you an example with mattress companies. You know, they say if you don't like the mattress, you know, return it. Well, the reality is, is if you don't like the mattress, somebody comes and picks it up and throws it in the in the in a landfill. They don't bother returning it because it's you know too expensive to do it. But um, well, yeah, and that's then cleaning yeah. it, wearing it for the next person, and so on and so forth, selling it as sort of a refurb. I imagine that that's not very good in the mattress industry. <laughs> yeah, and a lot of times, there. yeah, and a lot of times when people are in that situation, they're frustrated, they're angry. Um, the last thing they need is for the chatbot to respond by saying, here are, you know, links to articles that you can read to get your answer, right? So they give you links and you've got to, now you have to go do the research yourself. That's where chatbots fail because I'm interacting with a chatbot for five minutes and then it tells me to go do my own work. Humans don't want to burn calories like that. They just want somebody to give them the answer. And that's why... You know, we're we're really far away from chatbots replacing yeah. human agents. Or don't make me play twenty questions first just to send me somewhere because you don't have the answer. Right, let's well, that's let's, let's understand right from day one that I asked a question that you can't answer, and let's just be honest, get me to something yeah. that can. Just be honest and say I can't answer the question, but I'll have somebody contact you within the hour who can. And that's what yeah. the consumer wants. They want transparency, and they want to know what's going to happen next, right? Mm. Um, and they're they're fine with that. 
you know, they're they're perfectly happy with a response like that. So, you know, with chatbots, hit or miss. Uh, live chat, we've got two thumbs up as far as this conversation goes. What about other types of communication? I know that your team has a lot of hands-on experience with things like um, SMS and phone mm-hmm. calls. Do you find that for e-commerce specifically, that live chat is sort of that gold standard that if you don't have that, you know, that's that can be more proactive and instant on the website. And so that's sort of where you would typically in most situations tell people to start and then everything else is icing on the cake. Yes. Um, Live chat, you know, for example, 70 percent of consumers would prefer to chat than talk on the phone. And that number keeps going up. So. I, I would say within the next several years, you'll find that number up over 80, 90 percent simply because people just they don't want to dial the phone and be put on hold. If there's an immediate like I always look at it this way is that when I go on live chat, if I get a very quick response and I get a real person versus a bot, I love the brand. And, you know, I, I just will always do business with that brand because I, I can communicate quickly. A lot of times I'll, I'll call their support line. Um, message says nobody's around, leave a, you know, leave a message or, um, you know, the whole time is 35 minutes, um, you know, give, give us your number and we'll call you back, you know, that type of thing. If you, if they, if they're good, they'll say that. Um, but live chat is, is, is the gold standard. Um, SMS text messaging is really effective. Once you have chatted with the, and you know, with the website visitor, and and they've given you permission to text them. So you have to ha- you know have to have permission in order to do it. You can't be proactively text messaging somebody just because they visited your website. You have to capture the the phone number and ask them if it's okay to send the messages. So you know, live chat's the fastest way to do it. Believe it or not, though, um, email's still the number one form of communication that people prefer. Sixty three percent, you know, prefer you know, email communication over everything else. Um, but, you know, as it relates to e-commerce real time, I need an answer. Live chat is what they prefer. Yeah. Well, I imagine part of email, you know, is, and the same reason that your team likes to build a knowledge base for everyone. Yeah. There is one place, one source of truth. Um, everything's time stamped. It's not, you know, that if they, whether, you know, they're, their kids, their job, whatever, that that they have to do it in real time. And if they walk away, they're going to lose the agent. Right. That it's it's pretty transparent and, and pretty direct. And, yeah. uh, you know, they're not going to be put on, on hold or on anything. Hold. So, and there's, yeah, a so there's some yeah. nice, yeah, there's, there's nice a thread for that. conversation they can follow and they can always go back to it. I, I call it the magnet on the refrigerator. You know, it's kind of like you clip something on the refrigerator and it sits there and you can always go back to it. You know, that's what email is. For the most part, yeah. I mean, look, in web hosting, we certainly deal with with support tickets and even things that are coming in over the phone or through other communication channels that we have with different clients and partners and such. Having everything in the ticket system where that's there's that transparency, mm-hmm. adding those notes in there, it's huge because a month later, somebody else is on ship. You know, trying to f- catch back up. It is lovely to have. Um, to have everything in that one place, uh, you know, and, and where sort of there's that cue that you know that the entire support team is watching, and that um, you know that if you haven't opened that ticket yet, 
Um, yeah. You, know, you kind of want to get in the queue when you can. Um, you know, there yeah. are things that we recommend people call in, of course, but um, more often than not, best place to start is is opening a ticket, and it's the exact yeah. same reason behind it. Look, you know, have you seen any common threads in terms of live chat uh, campaigns, li- live chat channels being set up where it's failed, where it hasn't worked out well? Um, are there things that typically, you know, make or break <laughs> one of these rollouts? If the yes. And if you don't have traffic to your website, obviously, web, uh, live chat's not no one to talk to. Um, but also if the knowledge base isn't built out, you know, well, um, to where the agents, you know, can't really provide answers because, you know, the, the client doesn't, you know, provide the information needed for the knowledge base. Yeah, that's not going to it's not going to work well. So we it's it's really a two way. It's a, it's a relationship where the more the client can give us in terms of, you know, knowledge about their products, about their promotions, about all of these different things, we have a very, very sophisticated, you know, AI driven knowledge based platform that allows us to be as good, if not better, you know, than than their employees than their in-house people. But it has to come from them. And they also need to be proactive as far as updating that knowledge base. So when they change coupon codes, for example, this is one of the biggest issues. Um, you know, they create a new coupon code, they change a coupon code, they have an offer that's hitting their homepage, right? But they haven't told us about it, right? You know, so, you know, somebody is chatting and saying, well, I, you know, I, I, I want to know more about, you know, the special that you have on, you know, um, trucker caps and the agent's like, I don't know anything about trucker caps. Just so the, 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 the client has to be very proactive as far as making sure that the knowledge base is updated before they launch something is really what it comes down to. And that way we can respond to it. I imagine. So there's, there's that. And then there's the, they've got to make good on if your agent takes a situation and says, we're going to get back to you, um, that they really need to have that follow through. So somebody reaches out and says, Hey, I sent a return in your team received it. Here's the tracking number. It got to you a week ago. My credit card hasn't been refunded yet. Right. Well, you know, yeah, so a lot of clients, that's not something the live agent is probably going to be able to resolve on the spot, but right. someone in, you in know, the back at, at the merchant side is going to have to resolve it and close right. it out. Yeah. And so what we've done in, in many, many cases with e-commerce is that we've been able to front all of the incoming support questions, sort through them, prioritize them through Zendesk, and in essence, do create a ticketing system to their back office so the back office people, all they're doing is resolving the questions rather than fielding and researching and then resolving them. So we're able to make their time much more efficient. And so, but but it is what you're saying is exactly right. When we create a ticket, it's got to be you know worked on immediately. And finance we, doesn't need to spend ten minutes with somebody just to issue them a refund. They can just process the refund. They can process it, and then. What happens typically is, and that will get elevated to where they give our agents access to their platform. So we can go into their Shopify account and we can do everything that needs to be done automatically and get it done right there for the customer. And that's really where you see, um, you know, you see the conversion numbers just, you know, really um, explode simply because 
customers, if they're getting the answers and they're getting resolutions to their problems, that will keep coming back to that website to buy. And they'll tell their friends too, These, this is a good company to do business with. Yeah. And speaking of conversion rates, I know that, you know, when I think about something like a call center, there are a lot of different metrics that get tracked and you've mentioned a few already. Mm -hmm. If somebody's setting up live chat, are, are there some particular KPIs that you recommend or highly recommend uh, that they start tracking? Um, yeah, the, the KPIs basically will be, you know, under the, you know, category of how quickly is the agent responding um, from the time that a notification comes in. That's a really, really critical one. Um, the length of the chat, how long is the agent, you know, um, talking to them, the percentage of chats that are sales versus percentage of chats that are service related. So for example, if you only have 10% of your chats are sales related and 90% are service related, then you might have a service problem. You know, you might, you might have something that's not going well, you know, on the website. Um, typically we'll see 50, 50 sales to service, you know, related chats. So that's something that we want to keep an eye on. Um, also how, you know, how the, um, how your sales are being affected by chat. So, you know, that's just, hey, we started chat on X, you know, day, on, on this particular date. Here's what's happening with our sales relative to last year. We'll give you a good example of that. Uh, changing the number of positive reviews you're getting online. So if you see, for example, Trustpilot reviews, um, you know, the number of, of, of stars is increasing, you know, over time, that's a very, very, um, you know, key indicator to the fact that the agents are having a positive effect on reviews. Lifetime value of a customer, um, is an important metric to take a look at. So if the um, if the LVC is increasing over time as a result of having you know live chat, it means that you know having the agents are working and and also um, you know from the standpoint of repeat business, are you know when you look at the the number of people that are coming back to the website, um, you know to buy again, that's key. I have you know when I worked as a consultant. Um, several years ago, one of my clients had 850,000 customers, you know, in, in uh, his Shopify account. Um, the number of people that bought more than one time was less than 5,000. So um, the, the challenge there is you're basically, there are a lot of one and done, you know, e-commerce stores. They come in, they buy once, the people never come back. And the only reason they don't come back is because they didn't have a great experience. People are willing well, to pay a lot more money for a good experience. You know, some Forrester, I think, quoted, you know, as much as 40% more if they have a positive experience. So um, well, it's important. Where, you know, platforms like Shopify that typically provide a more cookie cutter experience, it's it's harder to get that, that really good experience. You know, yeah. I deal with a lot more uh, by volume merchants that, that have open source platforms where they spend a lot of time customizing and engineering and creating something that will create those lasting customer relationships. But it, it is yeah. tough. Yeah. And I think, but no matter what, they still need these, you know, communication channels and these things that regardless of platform, it's the same challenge. It, mm -hmm. It's uh, being able to, you know, to check some of these boxes that, that are going to address um, yeah. some of this user experience. And, you know, I, Getting something like live chat set up on the site, um, based on the you know the technology that your team prefers to use, is it a quick 
snippet of code, a little bit of JavaScript? Mm -hmm. um, is it a little bit more in depth? Not really. It's basically, you know, we put some code or the webmaster, you know, install some code, you know, on the website. So you make sure it hits all the pages. Um, and that's really once that connection is made, then you are, you know, in our Ring Central Engage platform and you're you're live. It's very bad. It's actually they could be on difficult. a completely custom platform. They could be on SaaS. They can be on Anything. You know, something open. So it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Just, you just need to be able to drop in some code for the front end. That's it. We just need to be able to put code on um, so that that little icon pops up. And so when you click on it, now you're connected with us. Yeah. And you know, we talked a little bit about burnout earlier, and I wanted to touch on it that I, I kept thinking about it. It... And are there ways that you train your staff to handle um, customers that are hot under the collar, um, folks that are using stronger language or, uh, yeah. you know, because I, I think that right now that it's it is a big challenge um, that, you know, I don't know, I didn't live through maybe the 1950s or what have you, but it definitely feels like as a society when I am out at stores that, yeah. you know, you see a lot of people with that don't hold back very much. Well, uh, yeah, is that a part of the training? Yeah, we, we actually answer the phones for 800 car washes um, for a company that provides a um, kind of a loyalty program for them. And um, so they, you know, basically we, we answer the phone for all of the people calling in. And, um, you know, people get upset when their car gets scratched or damaged or there are streaks on the windows or drips on the car and, and all that you know, all that. So yes, you do get a lot of people that are agitated and, um, you know, they, they are, you know, their, their temperatures heightened, but basically the way we train our agents is to, with two things to, you know, to, to be empathetic and to listen. So we never, ever challenge, you know, um, uh, an angry customer because it's, that's not going to go anywhere by saying, oh, well, and it's not our fault. It's yours. Right. Um, you know, the, will usually say something like, I understand why you're upset. I'm here to help you. All right. So typically when you hear those words, all, all an angry customer, all they need to know is that they're being heard and they're being understood. And they're, they, we recognize, yes, you have a problem. We understand you're upset. All we're here to just help you. So tell me what the problem is. And so when we do this, for example, with the car wash customers, um, a lot of car wash operators would say, oh, well, we can't trust that your agents are going to be able to handle angry customers. And we tell them they actually can and they will de-escalate it. So by the time it gets to your people who can solve the problem with a scratch on the car, for example, um, they're not going to be screaming at you. They're going to be saying, oh, I, well, I had a conversation with, um, you know, with one of your people and they said that, you know, you were going to get in touch. So let's talk about it. And it's not the screaming, you know, it's not the screaming person talking to the manager of the car wash who said, it's not our fault. We didn't do it. <laughs> you know, it's so we can de-escalate something to a level and a temperature level that everybody can live with. Um, that do you offer these services for marriages? Because I'm thinking one of your chat agents might really help me some days. Around here. <laughs> well, I'm thinking that might be a good yes, vertical totally. for us to focus on um, because, listen, it's. It's universal that when you have customer service, you are going to have upset customers, period. So it's, it's across the board. But um, yeah, we might we might have to look at that. 
<laughs> that's that's interesting. Now, um, I, I do want to ask a last follow up question. Um, you know, because I I think there are a lot of metrics. So we talked about KPIs and things that the merchant should be looking at in terms of the success of the program. But when you think about an individual agent and how they work in these situations and all sorts of different things, how do you monitor and measure for that? Um, you know, what's your thought process around that? Well, we obviously, with the amount of experience that we have, we can take a look at how long, you know, what, one of the key metrics we look at for an agent is how long they're chatting, how long they're talking, right? Compared to other agents that might have more experience and more time in than they do, um, we uh, obviously we have transcripts of every chat, we have trans- we have recordings of every phone call, and we have a team of people that do nothing but listen to the calls and monitor the chats. So if they see that a, an agent is maybe not getting to the point fast enough, or you know asking too many non-relatable questions, right? Too much what I call chit chat. There's too much chit chat going on. Um, they can go to the agent and say, okay, listen, we here's what we suggest you do in situations like this because we want to make sure that that chat, you're, you're just using the time for the chat to answer the question, you know, to develop rapport, but you don't need to have a long-winded conversation with them. So we do look at that as a metric um, because obviously we want the agents to be as efficient with their time as possible so that they can cover as much ground as possible with, you know, with chats, especially with live chat. And as I mentioned to you before, a good agent can handle up to six conversations at one time. Um, so if we find that an agent can only handle two or three, we want to help to increase their capabilities to multitask, you know, with use the tools that we provide them to be able to do that. Uh, but that's a key metric, you know, for us. Makes sense to me. Well, Mike, you've been really generous with your time today. Before we wrap it up, any final thoughts, anything that uh, we didn't cover today that you think would be really impactful to the conversation, uh, you know, that you'd like to add anything out of your crystal ball (laughs) that you think is coming down the pike? I think what would be beneficial for your audience is to understand that customer service is the new marketing. Um, So you can spend all this money on Facebook advertisements and you know, ways to generate traffic to your website. But if you provide uh, an amazing customer experience by allowing your website visitors to get the information they need to buy or solve their problem in real time, that is the best form of marketing that you can provide, you know, period. And that mar- and that customer service basically um, is free marketing when you think about it. Building, you know, a trusting relationship um, that's going to increase loyalty and return business you know, that doesn't cost you anything with the exception of what it costs you for the agent. But the point is that's, you can get a customer for life. What's the value of a customer for life versus a one-time, you know, sale. So that's pretty much, you know, what, what I, what I can offer out there in terms of the perspective on why this is you know such a valuable tool. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for joining today. Um, for, our viewers and listeners out there, thanks as always for tuning in. Uh, stay tuned for more great content like this shortly. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, happy selling out there. Thanks you, Robert. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the JetRails podcast. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We also post full videos of most episodes on the JetRails YouTube and Facebook channels. You can find links at jetrails.com forward slash podcast. Have questions about an episode? Is there a topic you'd like us to cover in the future? We're at JetRails on LinkedIn and Twitter.
Do you want to sponsor this podcast? Sorry, but we're committed to ad-free listening. We are, however, always looking for guests that our listeners will benefit from. And don't forget to like the podcast on whatever platform you're tuning in from. It's a small ask, but it's a big help. We appreciate it. And more importantly, we appreciate you.